Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for today's episode is varying dose of atropine in slowing myopia progression in children over different follow-up periods by meta-analysis. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Dave Kading, our topical expert, Dr. Maggie Bailey, and our lead topical editor, Dr. Andrew Pucker. And now I'd like to begin today's podcast. Thank you for joining us for the clinical podcast series. We are uh, very excited to get to talk about some interesting subjects today, uh, namely myopia and atropine. And uh, we're joined by Dr. Maggie Bailey. Uh, She is a fellow and she lives in Birmingham. Maggie, tell us a little bit about your practice. Hi, thank you so much for having me, David. Um, I practice in a ODMD clinic. I specialize in pediatrics, but I see all ages. Yes, yes. And my name is Dave Kading. I practice in Seattle, Washington, and uh, also love myopia. I have the Myopia podcast and very excited to get to uh, be part of this podcast series as well. We're reviewing a paper today uh, that is titled Varying Dose of Atropine in Slowing Myopia Progression in Children Over Different Follow-Up Periods. It's a meta-analysis. Uh, Maggie, tell us a little bit about this paper. Give us kind of an overview, a background of what what, uh, was really looking at here. Sure. This paper is a meta-analysis, which we know is where they take a bunch of different clinical trials that cover the same treatment options or treatment effects and try to come up with a consensus for us, the readers. Yep, like 5,000 patients. Right. right? Huge. Yeah. (laughs) Right. This particular meta-analysis is about the use of atropine eye drops for slowing down the progression of myopia in children. Which percentages of atropine are more effective or less effective? Which ones are more effective immediately versus a delayed response? Which ones have more side effects and so on? Yeah. And uh, in the varying doses kind of dependent upon the different periods. What do you think were some of the key findings and how, how do you think they're helping you and would help me clinically? Sure. Um, a summary, kind of a summary of what this meta-analysis found is that the higher concentrations of atropine, meaning the 0.05% to 1%, we see a larger and more immediate, meaning in the first year, effect in terms of slowing down myopia progression. But we also see more intense side effects such as light sensitivity and blurry near vision, as well as a big rebound effect. So a jump in myopic progression in the direction we don't want after discontinuing. For the lower doses, uh, just reverse everything I just said. It takes longer to see the effect we want, meaning there's more slowing of myopic progression in year two of treatment than there was in year one, but the side effects were much more manageable. Yeah, so just to hit on that percentage again, you said they they boil it down to high dose being 0.05 and anything higher, right? Yes. Yeah, Um, first of all, do you think that clumps too many concentrations into that high group uh, together? That's a great question. Um, it's 1% and 0.05% is a very large difference. Um, you know, yeah. we all know that. I would like to see more studies, you know, isolating 0.05% and maybe comparing it to, like you said, a more moderate in that, a more moderate percentage in that range. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting choice, but no one is really prescribing point over 0.05% that I've found clinically. It's not very common. Yeah. And I know this is getting more into your clinical perceptions, but if, if you do prescribe 0.05%, do you see an overwhelming side effect profile of extreme light sensitivity and accommodative issues in, in that lower percentage of the high percent Mm -hmm. of the study? Right. Good question. I've probably seen, um, probably about 50% of my patients who are on the um, the lower high dose atropine yeah. that 0.05% are having side effects. And mm-hmm. of those 50%, probably about 50% are pushing through and 50% are coming to me saying, I just can't tolerate this. How does atropine affect myopia progression in year one and two based on that concentration? I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but mm-hmm. can you kind of uh, touch on that for a moment? Sure. So many of the studies that this meta-analysis looked at are two-year studies and mm-hmm. the, the, excuse me, the studies that look at um, the higher percentage of atropine found a stronger effect and a more immediate effect, meaning in year one, there was a very significant slowing of the myopic progression. Mm. And in year two, there was still slowing of myopic progression, but significantly less when compared to year one. Yeah. In the studies that look at the lower dose atropine, um, they found a little bit of a reverse effect. It was a little slow to start. Year one had some slowing of myopic progression, but it picked up in year two. We saw more reduction of myopic progression, which is what we want. Yeah, and um, and and ethnicity played a little bit into this. How did that, how did that kind of affect things? The studies were from all over the world. Yes, so the studies are from all over the world. The majority of them were from Asia, and it did find many of the studies in this meta analysis uh, found did find that atropine is more effective for myopia control in children of Asian descent than versus children who are white. When I first saw that, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I thought that was something I was going to use clinically, talking to my families, but then I thought about it again, and I realized that, yes, it can be useful for reassuring parents, but not as useful as, but not as useful as telling them that for their child who is Asian, atropine is more effective than another myopia control method. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They care care about what's going to be the most effective for their child. Yeah. And so how, how might you use this data in clinical practice and what about the side effects? Does that come into, into account when you're thinking about things? Sure. Of course it does. You know, when starting a treatment plan for a patient or for a child and you're discussing with the child and the parents, there are always questions about side effects, specifically adverse side effects. And the best you can do as a clinician is just give the family all of the information about the higher efficacy of the higher concentrations of atropine, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that there are more side effects. You can also give them your clinical experience on the question you asked me earlier at those higher percentages, how much of that, those significant side effects am I seeing? And is that causing patients to reduce treatment or to discontinue treatment? Yeah. 
I couldn't agree more. You know, I think that uh, we do see the most reduction in myopia. And we have other studies that talk about that. The LAMP3 study recently came out that showed that the higher concentration in that study, they used 0 0.01, 0 0.02, 0 0.05. Mm -hmm. And um, they showed the most effective being the higher concentration, which is you know, no uh, surprise here. Um, but like we all know, that higher concentration carries with it this potential, just like you said, for some potential higher risk. But but usually those side effects are fast uh, to show up and fast to resolve. And so, you know, it, it's not a side effect that tends to last a really long time. So usually in our practice, we'll educate them on maybe the importance of going to that higher concentration, especially if they're a fast progressor. That's something that this study looked at as fast progression, slow progression. Mm -hmm. Maybe use that higher concentration and then... Uh, you know, see them back within a week or two or educate the parents to let us know if they experience this photophobia or if they experience a little bit of this. And, you know, to your point, it's not always that high of a percentage, uh, but when it does, we can fix it relatively easily. Um, and there may be some people that are using higher concentrations at 0.05%. That seems like in optometry today that those are the concentrations most used, 0.01 probably being the most studied. Um, but this is just a really interesting study because it looks at so many kids. What Any closing thoughts, any takeaways that you feel we could use to apply this into our practice or anything we haven't spoken about? Something I already offer to patients and to their parents when the parents ask, you know, how long do we have to do this, is these studies that show that, and these are rough numbers, you know, about 50% of kids with myopia, the myopia stops progressing by 16 years old, about, about 75% by 18 years old, and so on. And so I could give that upper limit, you know, the maximum time that we're going to be pursuing this treatment. But this study really kind of enlightened me to a minimum treatment time that I can offer these parents. You know, we need those two years to see um, how effective this treatment is and if we need to keep going with their child. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, letting them know that this isn't something like braces where your kid's going to wear it for a year and then be done or two mm -hmm. years and be done. It may be longer than that. Right. This is really a lifestyle uh, mm -hmm. more than anything for your kid, uh, to, to be able to slow things down. Well, obviously a really incredible study. I would encourage anybody who wants to dig deeper, uh, the, the publication again, various, uh, varying doses of atropine and slowing myopia progression in children, uh, a meta-analysis over 5,000 children looked at, uh, tons of studies, very cool stuff. Maggie, thank you for your perspectives on the clinical podcast series. My pleasure. Yes. And thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, stay tuned uh, again next time for more clinical podcast series from the American Academy of Optometry's Foundation. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen.